our mental health is the stepping stone to our physical health because if you are not in the place mentally to physically get yourself outside to get your body moving it doesn't really make a difference and for me it's not attaching happiness to any sort of expectation knowing that you can find little pockets of joy in really small things and i think you have to look for those and you you know sometimes you have to work harder than not to find those little moments Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Endorphins, a mental health podcast focused on the importance of finding joy and happiness in daily living. I'm your host, Stella Stephanopoulos, and this week is not just any other episode, it's episode 100, which is such an exciting milestone to reach. I remember last January recording the 50th episode with Jack Carlson, who's the founder of Rowing Blazers. And in the intro, I had mentioned that we're halfway there to episode 100. And now a little over a year later, here we are. It's been such an incredible journey, meeting people, interviewing founders, entrepreneurs in the health and wellness community over the past two years. And I couldn't have ever anticipated that this is how Everyday Endorphins would have evolved and developed into since its inception in 2013 uh, when I created the Instagram account and was blogging about being a rower. So it brings me so much joy to share that not only has the podcast come so far to episode 100, but to be able to celebrate this milestone with interviewing the founder of one of my favorite yoga studios ever. So if you scroll to the archives of the Instagram account, you will see me post a lot about Y7 and it brings me the utmost joy to get to say that this week I had the opportunity to interview Sarah Larson-Levy, who is the founder of Y7 Studios. If you haven't taken class, you probably have seen Y7 on your Instagram account or on social media. What I love about the studio is that it's completely candlelit, dark room, vinyasa, and there's such great music. So we get into all of this in the interview with Sarah about the founding story behind Y7, what really differentiates this studio from other yoga brands, and some of the challenges that she's experienced as an entrepreneur building the Y7 brand. But we also talk about her perspective on yoga, physical health, mental health, how she stays active and healthy, and also her perspective on happiness and what it means to lead a healthy and happy life. I am so excited for you to listen to this interview. Thank you all for showing up and for tuning into Everyday Endorphins, whether or not you're a first-time listener or an every Thursday listener. Before we get into the episode, reminder to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is kind of like a pinch me moment. I know we were talking briefly before this recording, but um, just how much I admire the Y7 brand. And when I first saw kind of like the inception of Y7 um, in New York City, I don't know, it was like 
2014 maybe or 2015, around that time, yeah. I was in high school. And I remember being so captivated by this idea of hip hop yoga because for those who are listen out there and, and know me personally, one of my favorite genres of music is rap and hip hop and pop. And so bringing those kinds of elements into a yoga class, I hadn't uh, seen be done yet at the time. And so I was just so immediately drawn to really like what Y7 was offering and, and um, kind of like the vibe behind the class. And one of my first Instagram posts, which now might be archived because the everyday Instagram has been active for almost a decade now. But one of my first posts was like at the Y7 studio and just like loving a tribe called Sweat, the mission, everything behind it. So um, it really is truly an honor to get to sit with you today and talk about you know everything that you've built. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it a lot of, you know, what you said, the brand has had such like a big evolution. And I, you know, I think I'm just excited that, you know, we're still able to, um, you know, be opening studios and expanding what we do as a brand and as a company. Yeah. So let's start really from the beginning. How did the idea for starting Y7 come about to you? And were you an avid yogi before then? Like what really got you interested in wanting to open up? A yoga studio. Yeah. So I actually back in, uh, oh gosh, like late 2012, I actually pinched my sciatic nerve. And as I was kind of recovering, getting back to movement, um, my doctor was really like, you know, a lot of kind of these back problems and things like that stem from a core weakness. So really want you focused on yoga and Pilates as you start to build your strength back. And I was like, okay, like I, yeah great. I can do that. Um, so I put my spin classes on hold and, um, really started trying a bunch of yoga studios in the city. I was 25, um, 25 at the time going on 26 and just, you know, was trying out every yoga studio you could think of in the city. And there was always just like one or two things that I was, not really vibing with in a way that I would leave class a lot of times like there was something missing. I would either leave feeling not so great about myself because I was, you know, the only person in the class who couldn't do a headstand or, you know, I was always being compared to myself or I was staring at myself in the mirror the whole time or I left feeling like I didn't get a workout and I felt like I needed to go to the gym and do all these other things. And so there was always this some element of me that felt unsatisfied with my experience as a whole. So fast forward to like, you know, nine months a year of that after being, you know, just not feeling like there was anywhere I could call home in the sense of where I wanted to practice and build my yoga practice. Um, And being newer to the practice, that was really something, um, you know, I wanted to find was a place of consistency. So after quite some time of frustration, Y7 came about, and it's all the things that I wanted in a yoga experience. I wanted to feel like I was getting a workout that I could sweat, but I was still getting the benefit of the poses and getting to them in a correct way, but also wanted a little bit of repetition and didn't want to focus on what I looked like, but rather than what I felt like, because as someone who was trying to recover from an injury, it's more about what the pose feels like to you, right? As opposed to trying to make yourself look like everybody else or look like the teacher or look like, you know, the example person in the room or in that front row. And so all of those things combined really led to 
the experience that Y7 is, it is a dark candlelit room with no mirrors. Uh, we flow to the beat of the music in a vinyasa style, which is one breath to one movement. Um, and there is a bit of repetitiveness within the uh, sequencing. So you're going through each sequence three times, twice you're being kind of walked through it with the instructor. And the third time, uh, the instructor just lets you take it on your own. And that is your, you know, two, three minutes of each sequence to really bring that those movements uh, to a place that feels authentic for your body. So if you're taking a modification, if you're maybe taking a twist or a bind or adding on somewhere, that's all up to you. Um, And we really want you to take that space to connect authentically with the sequence that's being given to you. So that was it. We started as a pop-up. I really just wanted this space for me. I had no idea that other people were going to like it um, or even want to come. And, you know, it. I feel very fortunate that a lot of people were feeling the same way, really wanting to get into yoga, but not finding that easeful starting place. And that's what we really look at Y7 is, you know, it's really this gateway to the larger world of yoga. Yoga is so expansive. There are so many different ways to practice, so many different lineages and, um, you know, ways you can take the practice that are so beautiful. But, you know, everyone needs an entry point. So we're kind of a really great place to start, you know, come in as you are and no one's looking at you. No one's asking you to be or act a certain way. We want you to meet us where you are. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, I love all the points that you shared. And especially this idea that there's so many entry points to yoga. And I think there's oftentimes, you know, a lot of myths around what it means to have a consistent yoga practice or what it means to practice yoga even. I think a lot of people are deterred from wanting to even try yoga because they think that everyone's going to be looking at them in the room or they have to be able to get into the perfect headstand in order to be a yogi. And that's just not it, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. There's a lot of, I think especially in the West, there's a lot of preconceived notions um, about yoga and, you know, this list of prerequisites that people have kind of made up that they need to have in order to enter the space, right? Like, oh, I'm not flexible enough is something I still hear constantly. I'm like, well, flexibility is something you gain by practicing. No one's coming in with perfect form and things like that. It's all, that's why it's called a practice, right? It's that repetition. It's continuing to come back to it and do it, you know, day after day, or maybe week after week, if you've had taken some time off or whatever it is, you know, there's, there's this idea when we look at others in poses of this perfection in the pose, right? Um, But if we just look at things in a purely, you know, basic, real, like anatomical way, like you and I are always going to look different in a pose, just because our bodies are different. We're not the same height. Our bodies aren't structured the same. I may have injuries, you may have injuries, our bodies are just, you know, they're shaped differently. We're never going to look the same in a pose. And I think that's something that's constantly missed, um, which is, you know, a lot of people think the no mirror aspect is a little counterintuitive because how do you know if you're doing something right if you can't see? But what we're really aiming to do is get you to feel the pose, understand what muscles you're engaging, understand how that pose feels correct in your body. Because if I try to look like you in a pose, it might not feel right for my body, simply just because, you know, I'm an inch or two taller or whatever it may be. So I think that's, you know, 
something that we really try to, um, you know, change the conversation around and what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And even if there are mirrors, maybe you're looking at the person to your right and they actually don't have the best alignment and you're trying to replicate that. So that could actually injure you. But um, It's, yeah, it's a lot of like, I always found the mirrors the distraction for me. So it was like, let's take that away. Like, let's take away everything possible that could distract you and just leave you in this kind of place of it's just me and my mat, my body and music and movement and see where it takes you. Yeah. And I want to go back to, you know, you mentioned earlier that your entry point into yoga was from an injury. Um, So when you started to actually build your own practice, how did you see yoga benefit your mind and your body and your physical and mental health? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because when I was practicing, you know, in studios that that were, you know, brightly lit and all these things, I found myself getting really into my head, being super focused on what I looked like. And it ended up taking me out of my practice a lot. So when, you know, we started Y7, I started, you know, I was there all the time. Um, so I was doing, you know, a, a class every day and really getting into it. What I saw slowly was that through the music and the constant movement, of that breath, you know, that vinyasa practice, what was really happening was I was truly able to empty my mind because I was so focused on moving that I couldn't think about anything else. And that gave me the space to have the clear head as opposed to, you know, having this idea that, okay, I have to clear my mind. I have to clear my mind. It just naturally happened as you're not so focused on what like this idea of like being present, like I have to be present. So I have to clear my mind. And it's letting yourself kind of wander with those thoughts and in and out of movements that, uh, for me, I was really able to use that hour to decompress and come out feeling just like a little bit lighter. Totally. I mean, that's a feeling that I can also say that I've experienced um, coming out of a Y7 class, just feeling refreshed and like kind of like almost even an out-of-body experience, if you can describe it that way, because you're not so hyper-focused on something. You're allowing yourself to really be in the pose, be in the environment. And I think that comes from a few different things. Like one, we're talking about no mirrors, candlelit, um, also the heat, like opening up your muscles, easier to kind of get in and out of poses. Um, But then also the music. And I think the music is a really intentional choice around really like the ethos and the vibe of Y7. Maybe you can articulate this better, but for me, like I love rap music because the beat is something I can anchor to. And it's, (laughs) for lack of a better phrase, like it's just a vibe. Like it's something that you can just like groove along to, like you can kind of get in the rhythm, feel really connected to the music. And it's just something I've always gravitated towards. Um, I also did crew in high school. So, and that was a really rhythmic sport. And then when I would train indoors on the rowing machine, yeah, our team would blast like <laughs> reggaeton and rap. And so, you know, those were genres of music that we could just kind of row along to and that would like get us going. And then you would think like maybe that isn't fitting for the yoga room, which is supposed to be serene and like a tranquil environment. But for me, it kind of hypes me up and gets me more into my flow. And so that's why I love like the music choice. But can you talk a, m- a bit more about like the intentionality behind that and how it affects someone's practice. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not someone who loves working out. I'm not like, Oh, I can't wait to go to the gym and just like run or whatever. I really need like music 
And for me, that music is a motivator. Like I have a play, I have a playlist for everything for when I'm getting ready, for when I'm cleaning my house, for when I'm cooking, for when we have people over. Like it, there's a playlist for everything. And I really do think that music has a way of shifting our moods. And when I was practicing, um, you know, previous to I7, music always felt like a little bit of an afterthought to me. Um, and either there was music and it was like kind of background stuff or there was no music at all. And that for me left me in a space of like, and, you know, again, like I thought this was just me, but, you know, I'm glad to be in good company of all of our, our wonderful um, clients. But um, I was left in that silence feeling the need to fill it. And yes, that's not the most yogic thing to say, but you have to remember I was at the beginning of my practice and I'm still learning how to not try to fill every void with noise and things like that. So when I was forced to be in that silence, it was to-do lists. It was worrying about emails, works, um, you know, what if scenarios and what time is it? What time do I need to get out of here? Is, is, it, is class running over? All these little things that again took me out of my practice. So by having music as kind of a forefront and the driver of the speed that you're moving and the driver of the cadence you should be moving at, I think really makes a difference. It becomes this methodical movement practice and it's something that I really love and it's joyful. I think that's the biggest thing where in a lot of yoga classes that I had taken in the past felt very serious to me. Now that I, you know, I have a, a much wider practice than I did previously. Um, but you know what I was looking for was really somewhere that I could just have fun in a class and was allowed to move how I wanted to without feeling like I was being confined to this rigid structure. Totally. Um, because sometimes it can feel that way in certain yoga classes. There's, I think, something to be said about bringing creativity into the flow. But then also through this still structured three different flow regimen where you're doing each flow three times. Um, so there's, I think, a really nice balance of creativity, but also structure within the Y7 traditional flow. Yeah. And we let, you know, we have, we want all of our teachers to be creating their own sequence, to be creating their own playlist. You know, they're the ones who are teaching and have to connect with what they're teaching. So Within that like structure, in a sense, there is, like you said, a lot of freedom to play with movement, to play with your transitions, to match those transitions and movements to music that you love and you want to move to. And I think that's what makes it really, really special. You know, it's this piece of connectivity between the music, the breath and the movement. Yeah. And from what we've also been talking about, like when you think about looking back on, I don't know, the past decade or so of just the evolution of Y7 what do you think were some of like the key differentiators that allowed you to scale in such an incredible way and really evolve the company and the platform to be, I think, even beyond just a yoga studio? Like I see Y7 as more of like this lifestyle brand that's more rooted through the practice of yoga. Yeah. When I look back and think about what, you know, if you're looking at more traditional studios or what the traditional yogi say, like whatever image pops up in your mind. I at least get this very specific image that has been fed to us. And, 
you know, it's someone who's wearing the mala beads and their tank top and a tree pose and like a retreat kind of setting. And it almost seems like that's who you have to be in order to practice yoga. And well, that's certainly some people. And I think that's incredible. If that can be your life, I think a lot of us are looking more for a way for us to fit yoga into our lives as opposed to vice versa. So, you know, wherever you are in your life, if you're busy, that's why our classes are always 60 minutes, always the same format, because as, you know, a young 20 something, and even, you know, now into my 30s, where I spend my time and my money is really precious. And having that kind of reliable, consistent format is something that's really important to me. So we are really meeting our clients where they are. Oh, you need to flow before work? Fine. There's a class. You know you're going to get the same flow at 7 a.m. that you are at noon or at 4 p.m. It's going to be the same kind of quality. You know you're going to get an hour. You know you're going to sweat. You know there's going to be great music. That's it. And I think that that's why we've always kind of skewed a little bit more lifestyle because people are able to now bring yoga into their lives where their life already is, as opposed to make this huge shift in order to make yoga, you know, their life fit into yoga. Yeah, that's a great way. That's a really great way to put it, actually. Yeah, it's not that, you know, there are some forms of yoga where it's like you must practice every day. At this time, you must master like this sequence before you can move on to this sequence. And a mom of now too, I can't imagine being able to keep that kind of structure in my life because things come up. And if I don't adhere to that structure, am I like not a yogi anymore? Am I not able to practice? Like, no, that's not the case. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is that I always try and vocalize is that really like yoga is for everybody. There is no one who should feel excluded from this practice. And there shouldn't be a single person who feels like they can't do it or it's not for them. And I think that's really important because, you know, we always hear all the barriers of why I don't do this. And I think that's really a shame because I think it's such a beautiful, uh, you know, beautiful movement for your mind and your body. I couldn't agree more, especially as a yoga instructor. These are things that I try to also share with other people who are looking to enter into the practice or have a different type of perspective on like what it looks like to practice yoga. And I know obviously COVID was very difficult for so many people and so many businesses, but specifically those that thrived on in-person community activations, specifically yoga studios. So can you talk a little bit about the challenge of COVID and 2020 and just kind of adapting to having to turn everything virtual? That was really a struggle for us. You know, we had going into 2020, you know, digital was starting to become a bigger player within the fitness space. And, you know, with Peloton on the rise and Obey was getting a lot of traction, which was incredible. And a lot of people were adding a digital component. And when I thought about it, I was like, well, it doesn't really make sense for us because what am I supposed to do? Ship people a heated room? I can't, I can't control the at-home environment, you know, of the two out of the three really important aspects of our experience, which is the darkness and the heat. That was a big thing. It's like, so, you know, music and syncing the music was always going to be a challenge. And I knew that we could never recreate our in-person experience. So prior to the pandemic, digital was something I was not 
super interested in, um, in, in touching. I think there were a lot of other incredible, you know, yoga platforms in the space and who did a great job. And, you know, um, I just, I was very, very skeptical on it. The pandemic forced us to really, to really look at it in a serious way. And, you know, we, like a lot of studios, you know, we, we put up a digital platform pretty quickly, kind of set up our own little recording uh, space and all of that. And then, you know, once people started to go, you know, back to work and back in office and um, we were able to open the studios again, it, it became pretty apparent to me that digital was going to have to become a part of our DNA. And if we were going to do that, what was it going to look like? Since I knew we couldn't recreate the exact experience, I didn't want to try and replace what you're going to get in studio. I think people tried and they were like, it's just as good. Nothing's going to be, I, I'm an in-person, like I don't particularly love working on at home. I will for out of convenience sake. It's not my first choice. I would rather be in person 10,000%. I get more motivation. I work harder. I just, I enjoy it more. That's just what I prefer. So, you know, why seven online is never, it's not intended to replace the in-studio experience. It's intended to complement it and add on to it. In studio, we have, you know, the 60 minute we flow hard is pretty much all we do in studio. 98% of our schedule is that class. Um, with Y7 Online, what we did is we still have we flow, we have we flow hard options, but what we did was have a lot more um, sort of on the go um, options. So we have like 30 minute power vinyasas, we have um, 15 to 20 minute kind of focus flows, which are going to be, you know, in arms and abs class or glutes class that are just really, you know, they're there to really just add on to maybe another workout or just to get something in really, really quickly, depending on what your schedule looks like that day. We've been very fortunate to have a partner in Universal Music Group. So we're actually the first uh, yoga forward platform to have synced licensed music, which we are very, very proud of and so excited about to see how that evolves with um, artist partnerships and um, collaborations. So stay tuned for a lot of that. But that was, you know, that was challenging for us in the pandemic. It was, you know, and it took its the beginning of 2023 and it took us till the end of 2022 to really get that figured out. And it was a big investment and, you know, huge learnings considering that, you know, our business had been 100% brick and mortar focused. We were forced to close about half the studios and, you know, really just rethink the business as a whole and what it means. Yeah. And this also being a mental health podcast, I feel like I have to ask you a question on, you know, as an entrepreneur, especially during COVID, how did you navigate that uncertainty and having to pivot and having to have, you know, adopt a new approach and deal with those challenges? Yeah. I mean, it was scary. And honestly, if I let myself think about it too much, the scarier it got. And so it was more of a, okay, day by day, like how are, what what are we doing now? What is, what is the latest in the news? Or what's the latest on reopening? What can we do in the meantime? And really, when I look back on it, it's really all the decisions we made were centered around how are we continuing to engage with our community, right? And that's kind of what kept us going throughout and kept me motivated was, 
you know, slow, we slowly reopened each studio to make sure that, you know, we had the right protocols and process in place and, uh, you know, we're able to serve our clients. And I think everyone was, you know, in a, and still is a little bit in a place of like, worry a little bit and a little bit of fear of like, is it, is it okay for me to go back out? Everyone's getting sick again. Like, you know, so I think it's just, it's all in kind of communication and community and really using that as a focus um, in how to drive the business. And also going back to just this new trend of bringing in digital into the business. I can't remember exactly when, but recently I was looking on Instagram and, and reading about the, you know, the partnership with also the mirror, which Lululemon had acquired. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah, that was, um, you know, we, we've been working with Lululemon um, in a retail capacity for quite some time. And this opportunity came up and it was, it was really incredible. I think the mirror brings together such um, a wonderful group of partners that, you know, it really gave us the ability to reach a lot more clients than we would have um, you know, just kind of launching our own first because the mirror is such an established piece of equipment already. Um, it's beautiful. Um, it's well done. It has every type of workout you can imagine. Again, incredible partners that we're so lucky to sit, um, to sit next to. And it's allowed us to play into a different space. You know, I don't think we'll ever, we're not going to go into hardware. So it's super fun to be part of such an incredible brand. It's still surreal to kind of partner with such a huge name. Yeah, totally. Probably like a pinch me moment. Right? Yeah, I was like, you want us to what? <laughs> um, it's It's been a really wonderful experience and they have such an incredible team. And, and again, I mean, you know, as far as yoga goes, um, you know, there's no one more established in the space than Lululemon. And um, I'm excited to see where they're able to take, uh, you know, all the amazing things that they have planned with the mirror. Yeah. And I mean, it was very exciting for me to see also because being a yoga fanatic and obviously Lululemon is like, like the mother of all things yoga. Really. Um, like I was just kind of cheering on the sidelines because um, I can imagine like how amazing that must have felt to, you know, have that partnership. Yeah. It was a big moment of, you know, I think something interesting about being, you know, and I hate using this word to describe myself because I still don't feel it ring true necessarily, but being an entrepreneur, you know, it's a lot of times you don't stop to take a minute because, you know, my, especially through the pandemic, my focus has really been on uh, my team and the studios and keeping the business alive. And we went 18 months with zero revenue, not a single dollar into the company. And that's a hard place to reopen from, especially when, you know, we were on such a, we were on an incredible growth trajectory, March, 2020. So it's a tough place to restart from. So, you know, this, the initial conversations about this partnership had started um, in uh, late 2021. And so we were still just getting our final studio open. Um, we were still finishing opening up the studios and it, it was such a surreal moment for me to be recognized and, you know, seen uh, by such a powerhouse, um, you know, for everything that we were continuing to do in the space, even when we had such a small physical footprint at the time. Yeah. It's, it's also crazy, too, to think about how, like you mentioned, you were on a really great growth trajectory 
right before COVID hit. Over the past two years, like living through that, experiencing it, do you think that, you know, the way COVID impacted things has informed like your decision-making as an entrepreneur, like moving forward now at the business, knowing that in an instant things could be completely different? Like how do you progress forward now? Yeah, I think, you know, like I mentioned before, like we were solely focused 100% brick and mortar. And never my wildest dreams, if you had asked me like, what would change? I never would have said this. I never would have been like, oh, we'll have to close for over a year and a half. Like what? So I think it's about really diversifying kind of, um, you know, your your streams of, of business and, you know, what you have to offer and um, also being really flexible in uh, in how you operate and operating from a place of, you know, what you have and not, you know, overextending, um, you know, your resources and, uh, working, working smarter in a sense, you know, like, I don't think I will ever go back to working, you know, with the mindset of when we had, you know, 10, 12, 14 studios, I will always keep the mentality of, you know, the six and how we can do things in the most efficient, cost-effective way, not necessarily the quickest, right? Um, so I think that that's where the money piles in. So, um, you know, longevity is kind of the goal now, right? And sustainability. What are you most excited for moving forward in the next few years with Y7? Oh, gosh, I am still excited about scaling the business. I think, um, you know, we were pretty focused on um, New York, LA, uh, Chicago, uh, pre-pandemic as kind of our major markets. And now I think we've seen that, you know, a lot of people are flocking to these smaller cities. Um, a lot of people have more flexibility in their kind of work-life balance and what that looks like. Um, so really looking forward to, um, you know, expanding in places that maybe wouldn't have been on the list um, had the pandemic not happened. So we're starting to dive into that. And again, just really seeing where this digital platform can take us. I think it's a really incredible opportunity to see um you know, the appetite that people have for not only at home workouts, but for yoga in general. I think, you know, when people work out at home, they want to do something quick and intense. Um, and that's, you know, really kind of the go to. But with knowing that, how can Y7 serve those people as well? Totally. Well, I'm excited to see, you know, what is going to come in the next few years. Um, I have no doubt that there are going to be more incredible partnerships on the horizon. And I want to shift gears a little bit to, Talking a bit more about really more broadly just health and well-being and mental health. So something that I'm very curious to hear from you, Sarah, is how your perspective of health and wellness has shifted and evolved throughout the course of your life with, you know, having an injury and now being a mom of two, how that's been impacted or how your your wellness strategies and routine have had to adapt given this new um, the entrance of your new child into this world. So um, can you talk a little bit about the evolution of your own perspective and take on health and, and staying healthy? What I've learned first and foremost, you know, especially having now having two kids and going through postpartum twice and I actually had ACL surgery last year too, like a lot of things happen. And knowing that, I think our mental health is the stepping stone to our physical health. Because if you are not in the place mentally to physically get yourself outside to get your body moving, 
it doesn't really make a difference. You can be, you know, the most physically fit looking person in the world. And if your mental health is not, if you're not taking care of that part of you, you almost are unable to enjoy that physical part. Um, And I think that's what I learned too. Like I used to think, no matter what, drag yourself out of bed, no matter what, get your workout and work your hardest. Like you're not giving it 110%, like why are you even here? And, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, we always say like making it to your mat's the hardest part. And once you're there, the rest is easy. Like you're there, you might as well do the yoga, right? But the hardest part is getting yourself there. And a lot of that is the mental block um, that you have. I'm tired or my to-do list is so long today or I just don't feel like it. Um, why should I go if I can't get, you know, if I don't have enough energy to give it everything? And so I think there's a lot of, um, you know, conversations we have with ourselves in that space as it relates to, you know, our physical health. And so I think first and foremost, what I've learned is that, that like your mental health is kind of the base, right? That's really informed how I've looked at, you know, my, I guess, fitness routine or whatever that looks like. I don't have much of a routine, but um, as we're recording this, I have an 11 week old as of today. I'm a two and a half year old and I am still up twice a night feeding her. There's that. And then there's my son who is incredibly active um, and there's keeping up with him. And there's a lot of days where I would love to just lay down. And some days I do, but it is knowing that if I move my body in some sense, I will feel better mentally. And it's this interesting little feedback loop that we get from, you know, what the physical activity does for our mental health and how we need our mental health to be in a good place to do physical stuff. So it's super interesting, but I think just having, you know, having the goal of just movement as opposed to something super specific or like a calorie burn goal um, has, is a new kind of perspective. You know, I used to think that I, I used to do be like 30 minutes on the treadmill. I need to hit 400 calories or it's not worth it. Like that's when you start to burn fat, this whole like idea. And, you know, that was such a silly um, and very small minded version of what I think fitness and, you know, um, physical well-being is. It's being able to move your body, which so many of us take for granted. And after um, I had knee surgery last year, I couldn't believe what an effort it took in the first like four weeks just to like lift my leg and like bend my knee like a fraction. I was like, will I ever bend my knee again? Will it ever happen? And yes, I I bend my knee and I can run and all the things. But, um, you know, I think prioritizing that movement is super, super important and something to like add on to that is something I did. Um, continuously throughout both my pregnancies was I think I worked out more while I was pregnant than like I ever have like pre or post because I know that like I'm I'm a tired person I like to sleep and having a young like this tiny life that you're responsible for is exhausting and birth is a marathon and I knew that if I wanted to have as smooth a recovery as possible you know, hoping that everything goes the way it's supposed to and the way I want it to. Um, I need to prep my body for that. So I, you know, was fortunate enough to have my yoga practice and I was able to continue um, 
with my yoga practice throughout both my pregnancies um, and see um, a, I worked with a trainer twice a week, you know, just to get, to get my, to keep my body moving and to keep it strong and to make sure I was uh, strengthening the right muscles that I needed for childbirth and to, um, you know, prepare for early motherhood, which is a lot of, you know, lifting, picking up, putting down, picking up, putting down, a lot of holding here, um, a lot of bending over to change diapers, things like that. So all kind of, um, you know, moves that were, uh, you know, thoughtful and designed to really help those specific muscles as I kind of transition to a new role. So I think it's always helpful to look at, you know, what your goals are for what your lifestyle is and how you can kind of tailor your workouts to that. Yeah, that's a really great way, I think, to think about how physical fitness and like certain types of exercises can serve us in our day-to-day life. Also, what I heard you saying earlier was like easing out of this perfectionism mindset. Movement and working out does not have to be, I go to the gym for 30 minutes on the treadmill, then I do a 20-minute weight segment, and then I do my core. Like I used to think the same way as well. Yeah. (laughs) Also, like who do I, like what am I training for? Who do I think I am? Like, what is, like, deadlifting, like, oh, 150 pounds going to do for me? Like, does it make more sense for me to do functional movement? Like, probably. Right. And also shifting your mindset to that, coming out of playing a sport, I think is really difficult, like, for athletes in particular, because you're conditioned to have this one mindset, you know, you put your trust in a coach who designs the workouts for you, you're pushing yourself to more extremes, higher limits than you would if you're not on a team sport. Um, So just figuring out how to stay healthy, but not in a competitive environment as an athlete is also kind of part of it. Yeah. I'm like, listen, I learned the hard way when I stepped on a tennis court at (laughs) 34 and was like, yeah, I play tennis and tore my ACL because I dove for a backhand. Like, no, I don't play tennis. Like I haven't like actually like played tennis, like on a, at a regular like cadence since I was in high school. Like Sarah, you don't play tennis. You played (laughs) once again, competitively in high school. Like you're 34 years old. And I, I just, I just turned 36, but like at the time I was like about to turn 35 and I remember when I went in and I got like my MRI or whatever it was and some sort of scan and my doctor was like, so what happened? I was like, well, I was playing tennis and he was like, yeah, here's the thing at your age. And I was like, oh, that one stings. He's like, at your age, when these things happen and you're not a professional athlete, he was like, most of the time they happen because you're not warmed up properly and you mentally think like, you are in the same place as you last played this sport. And I was like, cool. So that was a big lesson to my body that like, not only shouldn't you work out and, you know, compete like you are 18 because you are not 18. You need to meet your body where it's at. And that was such an aha moment for me where it's like, that doesn't necessarily mean to say that like, you shouldn't like give all your effort and things like that. And like, I'll play to, I, I still like, will go play tennis, but do I need to dive for a backhand? Like, you know, the state championship is relying on my point. No, what am I doing? That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And um, 
it's a good reminder too that you know our bodies change so things aren't always going to be the same and so our workouts should change our mentality needs to change and the kinds of things that we're doing also have to shift with that and it's something we don't necessarily think about exactly as we wrap up sarah i have a few final questions for you so we just talked about your perspective of health and wellness and mental well-being what about your thoughts on happiness how has your idea of happiness and seeking out joy in life transformed over the course of your life? Maybe it hasn't. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you find happiness in day-to-day. Oh, that's hard because I I think, you know, that I think it changes day-to-day also, right? Um, You know, you wake up in a different mood or in a different set of circumstances. For me, it's not attaching happiness to any sort of expectation, knowing that you can find little pockets of joy in really small things. And I think you have to look for those. And you, you know, sometimes you have to work harder than not to find those little moments. Um, you know, I love my children more than anything, but sometimes do I want them to go away so I can have a moment to myself? Yes. And in those moments, are they bringing the, uh, me the utmost joy? No, they're not. So, you know, in those, like, in, in tough moments, I think you have to work a little harder to find that joy. And, you know, the upside and things. And I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we have to understand that life is going to be a series of peaks and valleys and ups and downs. And sometimes you're going to be happier than others. And also that's okay. I think a lot of times, you know, we're told this kind of rhetoric. And especially now we're in such an era of, you know, self-care and all of this stuff and mental wellness and that. And, you know, happiness is a choice. Like, yeah, but sometimes that choice is harder to make on, you know, some days than others. Like you don't have to be happy all the time. You're going to have tough days and that's okay. And your expectation like just has to shift with wherever you're at that day. And as long as you can continually try to find the most joyful moments you can in that moment, then I think you're, you're set up for happiness. And having compassion for yourself too, when you're not in those states of the utmost joy. Speaking of happiness, my final question to you, Sarah, is something that I ask every guest that comes onto the podcast. It is very integral to everyday endorphins because my question to you here is, what is something that brings you a bit of endorphins every day? Oh, I, for, and this is going to sound like it's so, of course she's going to say this, but for me, it, it's really like I have to, I have to do some sort of physical movement or workout. Like I have to. I am a happier person. I, I have to, I have to do it. Um, it just really makes such a difference in my mood. Um, I am someone who needs, needs that. I need somewhere for my body to go. Um, if I am tired, if I choose to go do a workout, I will have more energy. I like literally the last night I, I've been up today since 4 a.m. My daughter was not cooperating overnight. She was very restless Um, and she's still in my room. So I hear everything that's going on. I had a Pilates class this morning at 9 a.m. And I was like, I thought about canceling it. My husband was like, you should maybe cancel if you want to get some sleep. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. And I'm so glad I did. And, you know, I think it did make a more positive impact on my day. So that's it's the, it's the movement piece for me. And I know, of course, that sounds like, is she just saying that? And 
you know, some, most days I get it and, you know, there are some days that I skip, but, um, I'm always better for it when, when I, when I move. It's science backed and exercise absolutely brings endorphins. So I love that answer. And I feel very similarly, I need to get in some sort of movement or physical activity in the day. You know, some days it won't be as perfect as I want it to be, but that's okay. Kind of back to what we were just talking about. Sarah, it was such a pleasure having you as a guest. Where can my listeners, well, they can Google Y7 and find a studio near them, but where can they follow along and connect with you? Yeah, um, you can follow the studio um, at Y7 Studio on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. We don't really TikTok, but maybe one day. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure having you as a guest. Thank you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks for listening to this episode of Everyday Endorphins. If you liked what you heard, make sure to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever platform you prefer. You can also follow along the Everyday Endorphins Instagram account to stay up to date with episodes, future events, and all things related to mental health, well-being, and happiness. Don't forget to keep spreading endorphins and find things in life that bring you joy every day. Until next time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 